My name's David. I'm the pastor here. I'm glad y'all are here this morning. If you have a Bible, you can turn to John 13. I'm sure some of you will want to know uh, what you can do for Brandon and Nancy. Jillian coordinates kind of our the care from our church. So if you're interested in that, you can talk to Jillian, and I'll talk to um, Brandon and Nancy today and figure out what they need and all of that. Um. Over the past several weeks, we've been talking about this idea of being conformed in the image of Jesus, and we're using that kind of as the um, kind of the umbrella for talking about these different ways that God wants to shape us. What we've said is that God's ultimate destiny for everyone who's a Christian is to make us as much like Jesus as possible before we die. That's his deal. When you become a Christian, that's what you sign up for, and we've been using this... Um, vase kind of as our little visual aid, sorry, saying that um, we all start off like a lump of clay and ultimately God wants us to look like a vase and we're all somewhere in between these two. None of us are here yet and none of us are here either. We're all somewhere in between. And the, We've looked at some of the things that we do to cooperate with God. We said primarily our major responsibility in all this is to be willing to change. We need to be willing for God to mold us. We need to recognize that we're not there yet. And once we recognize that we're not there, then we need to be willing to cooperate with whatever God wants to do to get us there. And that's really our major role is recognizing I'm not, I'm not this yet, and God, you do whatever you need to do to make me this. I'll cooperate with you. Otherwise, we said you get, we get really hard like this, and then God uses a hammer and a chisel, and it's not nearly as fun for anybody. So we need to be willing to change. We said we need to learn how to hear the Lord, particularly through uh, reading the Bible. Again, our major responsibility is to respond to God, and we can't respond to what we haven't heard. So we need to uh, develop our ability to hear God, which we've all been given. The Bible says that if you're um, one of Jesus is sheep as a Christian, then you know his voice. So you can hear him. It's just for most of us a matter of kind of tuning in and getting to a place where um, we recognize his voice. I think we hear him. Sometimes we just don't recognize that it's him. Last week we looked at giving, um, not just money, but using everything that God has given us for his purposes. And so that's one of the tools that God uses to shape us is um, giving. And time, money, strengths, opportunities, relationships, all of those things. God has given us all of those things, and he owns all of those things, and we're stewards, and our responsibility is to manage what God has given us for his purposes. And if we do that, that's a tool that God uses to shape us. If not, we're going to wind up on the wrong side of some things moving forward. And that kind of brought me to this for today. This is going to be um, a little different from maybe the normal way we approach things. This is really just an extended invitation for prayer as much as it is a sermon so y'all can just kind of bear with me. I was thinking about this idea of God's purposes and what he wants to do in our life. Some of you are here Tuesday for the ministry greenhouse and we talked about how God has good works that he's prepared in advance for each of us to do and we want to figure out what those good works are so we can do them. And I was thinking about that and some of the struggles that some of us have kind of getting there and really figuring out what are those good works and then actually doing those. And the thing that kind of came to my mind was one of our biggest problems is we don't, we're not aligned with the Lord a lot of times. There's a misalignment 
and it causes us over time to gradually drift. Um, we've talked before that really the, the major excuse me element of Jesus' invitation to everyone is to follow him. He says, follow me. That's what he said to all of the disciples, and that's what he says to us now. Bo, you get to be Jesus. probably have less hair and are taller. So let's say Bo is Jesus, and he says to me, follow me. So that's what he's saying to me. In Jesus' time, this was a, this was a um, it was not a metaphorical invitation. He was walking around. We talked before, Jesus walked 3,100 miles over the course of his three-year public ministry, and my job as one of his disciples was to follow him around for all 3,100 of those Miles. Now, for us, it's not the same. It's not a literal thing. But let's say Bo is Jesus, and he's walking 3,100 miles, and my job is to follow after him. But if I'm not perfectly aligned in time, I'm going to wind up not even close. Let's say for every one mile Jesus here walks, I just miss it by one foot. That's hardly anything. There's 5,280 feet in a mile. For me to be off by one foot... Over the course of one mile, that's we're splitting hairs then. So you take a step. Let's say that was a mile. He's got long legs. So for that step, I'm just off just this much. You can take another one. Now I'm just off. I'm still I'm, I'm following. I'm just, go ahead. I'm just a little bit off every time. Go ahead. Over the course of 3,100 miles, I'm going to wind up 1,000 yards to the left of Bo or Jesus. That's 10 football fields. That literally is not in the ballpark. It's 10 football fields. You can sit down, Jesus. That's literally, I'm not in the ballpark anymore. And that's, I mean, you're talking about a hair. One foot to the left for every 5,280 feet I go forward. That's nothing. But over the course of time, that nothing becomes a lot of somethings. And you can see how that works in your life as well. If we're not lined up with the Lord over time... We're going to wind up farther. What's right now is hardly a noticeable gap. In 10 years is a chasm. When we first started this church, there was a guy named Mark Fritchman. Many of you have met him. He helped start this church, and he's moved away to St. Simon's, and he's doing something else now. And he met a guy in Colorado. He was on a retreat, and this guy um, had was about to close down a church that he had started. He'd started a church, and had been going for several years, and it was a train wreck, and so he was about to pull the plug and shut the whole thing down. And Mark said, tell me, tell me something. Give me a life lesson here. We're at the very beginning of this process. What do I need to know? And the guy sat down and he drew a little boat. And he drew an island and said, okay, you're in this boat and you're going towards this island. He said, who to you is the most dangerous person in the boat? And he drew a guy who's, who was paddling the other direction. He drew a guy whose oar was in, the, in his lap. All these different guys. And Mark said, well, I guess the guy who's not doing anything, the guy who just has the oar in his lap, he's the most dangerous because he's not helping. He's just dead weight. And the guy said, no. He said, it's this guy right here. It's this guy who's pointed just a hair off from you. Because right now it looks like y'all are walking the same path, but over time you're going to do this and this and this. And in 10 years, y'all are on two different islands. And the same thing happen, can happen with us and the Lord. It looks good. And there are times when my agenda lines up perfectly with God's agenda. I want to get married. Well, God wants me to get married. That's nice. We're walking in parallels. I want a good job. Well, God wants me to have one. Okay, great. We're lining up. But over time, if, my, if I'm not submitting myself to him and saying, you're in front 
and I'm behind, I'm lining up behind you, I'm aligned behind you, at some point my purposes and his are going to begin to diverge and I'm going to look up and after three years I'm a thousand yards away and I'm not going to know what happened. So to me, all that to say, one of the biggest obstacles for all of us when it comes to becoming more like the Lord, I think, is this idea of alignment. And it's a constant uh, discipline to realign yourself with what God is calling you to and who God is calling you to be. And the thing that can be tricky is most of you are good people. And your desire is good stuff. We all, we're good folks and we want good things. Most of us are not trying to take over the world. Most of us are not trying to rob a bank. We're not trying to do any of that stuff. We're just trying to live life as well as we can which is exactly what the Lord wants for us. And so a lot of times, my heart runs parallel to God's. My agenda runs parallel to His. And I can fool myself into thinking I'm actually following when I'm not. It just so happens we're going in the same direction. We're both headed to Jerusalem. But in time, if I'm not actually behind Him, I'm going to wind up doing this. So anyway, one of the biggest issues when it comes to becoming more like Jesus is this issue of alignment. Now I'm going to lay some foundation. If you were here on Tuesday night, you've heard this before. Feel free to daydream. I'll call you back when it's something new. This is John 13, starting in verse 3. This is Jesus, um, the beginning of the last week of his life, right before the um, Last Supper and all that stuff. He's met with the disciples, and this is what John says about him. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God, So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. If we want to be conformed into the image of Jesus, there are several things that you see here that we need. The first thing is we need to know where we come from. The Bible says, John says, Jesus knew he came from the Father. You've got to know where you come from. You need to know your identity. You need to know your destiny. John says Jesus knew where he was going. You've got to know where you're headed. And you also need to know your position relative to the circumstances in your life. John says Jesus knew the Father had put all things under, his, under Jesus' feet or under his power. So Jesus knew his position relative to everything that was about to happen. Everything that was going to happen in the next week says nothing is under Jesus' power. All of these forces were opposing him. He's getting arrested. He's being betrayed. He's being arrested. He's being led around. He's being crucified. Nothing about that scene says, oh yeah, God's given everything under Jesus' power. It all says the opposite. It says God's rejected Jesus. Things are swirling out of control. This plan that whoever had, it's falling apart. Satan is winning. That's what it looks like. But Jesus knew his position relative to the circumstances in his life. He knew that the Father had put all things under his power. You've got to know the same thing. We need to know our identity. We need to know our destiny. And we need to know our position relative to the circumstances in our life if we want to become more like the Lord because... We do what we do out of who we are. You see, just that little word at the beginning of verse 4. So, Jesus knew this, and he knew this, and he knew this. So, he got up and did these things. He did all of these things. He washed the disciples' feet. He allowed himself to be arrested and crucified. All of these things that he did the last week of his life came out of these three things that he knew. So, because Jesus knew all this, so he then did this. And for us, when we talk about trying to figure out what are these good works God's called us to, what are we supposed to be doing with our lives, that's an awesome question. But it's the second question. That's the other part of so. Before you can get to the right 
side of so, you have to deal with the left side, which is, who are you? Do you know who you are in Christ? We don't have time to talk about all this today. This is all just kind of foundational. Do you know who you are in Christ? Most of us, we say we do, but we don't. The way we act towards God is the way we acted towards our parents. I hate Dr. Filling everything and making it back to childhood, but that's, those are formative years. And if you learned when you were young that the way you got your parents' approval was by performing, then you're doing the same thing with God. That's just that's how it works. Those patterns get ingrained in our mind and in our heart, and that's how we live. So most of us, while we know certain things in our head, we know God loves us and we know it's unconditional and blah, 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 we don't live out of that. We live out of, i got to perform. Because I perform for mom and I perform for dad and I perform for my teachers and as long as I got A's or as long as I started or as long as I scored or as long as we won or whatever, everything was good. That's how I got stroked. So I'm going to do the same thing with the Lord. And it's not even conscious. It's buried down deep. It's kind of like when you turn on the computer and it runs those boot up programs. That's what a lot of that stuff is. It's just these automatic programs that run. And again, I hate tying everything back to the first 18 years of our life, but those are important times. So a lot of us, we don't know who we are. Our identity's messed up. And so we can't get, we want to get to the right side of the so. What do you want me to do? But God's still focusing on the left side. We don't know who we are. You can't do what he's asked you to do until you know who you are because you're going to screw it up. You're going to screw it up. Not because you're a bad person, but because you don't know what you're supposed to know. And when I say no, I don't mean up here. I mean down here, that you're living out of it. So you've got to know your identity. You've got to know your destiny. You need to know where you're headed. That's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit today. And then you need to know your position relative to the circumstances in your life. Ephesians 2.6 says that we've been raised with Christ and are seated with him in heavenly places. What that means is your glorification is so sure in Jesus that Paul can talk about it like it's already happened. John Moeller just died. He is glorified in some sense with the Lord. Now, he, doesn't have a, he hasn't been resurrected yet. All that happens later. But there's a sense in which he's already been glorified. He's farther along than the rest of us. And God can, Paul can talk about that as if it's already happened for us who are still alive because it's so sure. And if you can get in your heart that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, it'll change the way you live. It won't matter how sorry things are in your life. Circumstances are falling apart. Nothing's working how it's supposed to work. Okay, I'm, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. That is my position. That's where Jesus, things are falling apart. I'm being betrayed. I'm being arrested. I'm being flogged. I'm being falsely accused. People are lying about me. Okay, now I'm being nailed to a cross. That's not good. But because he knew his position, that the Father had put all things under his power, he knew it's, it's going to be okay. It looks like everything is swirling out of control, and maybe it is, but I know my position. I know I'm seated with Christ. I know God has put all things under my power. He hasn't put all things under my power. That's what Jesus says. He's put all things under his power. So Jesus is able to do these things that look so ungodly to do. And so, like he made some, he badly miscalculated the plan here. Jesus can do all those things because he knows his position. And the same thing is true for you. We don't have time to talk about that today either. But that's something for you to begin to think about and ask the Lord to show you your position in Christ and where you stand. 
Ephesians 2.10, we've talked about it, says this, God has prepared good works in advance for all of us to do. And a more literal translation is God has prepared good works in advance for us to walk in or for us to live in. There's a way of life that God has created for all of us. That's your destiny here on earth. There are things that he wants for all of us to do. And it's not just like tasks that he wants us to do. It's a life that he wants us to live. The the beginning of Ephesians 2.10, Paul says that we're God's handiwork or we're God's masterpiece or we're God's workmanship, whatever word you want to use, and that we were created to do these good works that God has prepared for us to do. So you kind of, the picture is, we've talked before, God's, you know, knitting you together in your mother's womb, and as he's doing that, he's thinking about this way of life that he wants you to walk in, and he's created this way of life for you and for me. And our deal, our destiny while we're on earth is to walk in that. It's to do those things. And again, it's not just about doing tasks. It's about a way of life that he wants us to live. Let me give a little disclaimer here. Hopefully this doesn't confuse the issue. Maybe this is for the men as much as anything else. When we begin to talk about what we're doing, most, at least guys, I don't know girls because I'm not one, we think of jobs. What's what I do? I'm not talking about your job. Your job, that's how you put food on the table. Most people change jobs between 14 and 16 times during their working life. That's a lot. Most people don't have 14 cars before they die. I mean, you're going to have more jobs than you do just about any. It's a big, it's not a big deal. We spend a lot of time at our jobs. There's a lot of focus on our jobs. But when it comes to what I'm talking about, that's number three on the list, not number one. There's jobs and you have a career which is broader. Most people change careers, they say, I think three to five times over the course of their working life. Your career, that's your line of work. When people say, what do you do? You're telling them your career. My job is the pastor of Stonebridge. My career is ministry. I could have a thousand jobs and still be in this same career. Your career is important, but it's still not number one. Number one is your calling. And that's what God, that's your assignment from God. It's what he's put you on earth to do. What are these good works that he wants you to walk in. And I would say that doesn't change. It might tweak a little bit over time, but I think you'll see a common thread from all through your life of what God has put you on earth to do. That's the deal. And that's kind of what we need to focus on. I'm not talking about careers. I'm not talking about jobs. I'm talking about calling. Why are you here? What has God put you on earth to do? These good works, that's not, the good works God has for me is not to be the pastor of this church. That's wonderful. That's my job. The reason he put me here was much bigger than that. Now, yes, God will lead you into your particular job and all of those things, and that's okay. But what I'm talking about, when you hear me talking about these good works that God has called us to, don't hear God's called me to be a teacher at Marietta High School or God's called me to, you know, build houses or... No, this is bigger than that. Like, for me, I would say my calling is to help as many people as possible become as much like Jesus as possible before we all die. And I can do that in a lot of different settings. That's my calling no matter what my career or my job is. That was a tangent. So when it comes to really becoming more like the Lord, I said one of our primary obstacles is lack of alignment. And I think one of the primary areas where we misalign is this idea of calling. We don't get it right. For whatever reason, we don't get it right. It could be because we're jumping ahead of the equation. God is still trying to work with us on who we are. He's trying to work on our identity. He's trying to work on 
our position. He wants us to get that stuff down here so we live out of it, not just so we can spout it off and say, you know, pass the Bible quiz exam. He wants us to live out of those things. And we're trying to jump ahead and say, well, what do you want me to do? 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 And he's saying, hold on. We've got to figure out who you are first. So it could very well be the reason you're frustrated in terms of moving forward in your calling is because you're on, the, you're on the right side of the so, and you need to be on the left side, where God's still working on who you are. Wonderful. It could also be, and I think this is the case for a lot of folks, is we, just, we don't get it for whatever reason, and I'm going to talk specifically to those of you who are married. If you're single, don't tune out. I think this applies to you as well, but specifically to those of you who are married, I think this issue of alignment is huge. I think a lot of times when we get married... Now there's kind of two. When I'm single, it's just it's kind of me and the Lord, and I can line up behind him, and God, what are you telling me to do? Okay, that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to try to follow. But now that I'm married, well, now it's not just me anymore. I have this other person who's either hanging on to the side or behind or wherever I'm going, and she has stuff too. She has calling and all that stuff, and so we're trying to figure out, well, how do we line up? With God, And so we talk about unity. Well, we need to be unified. And a lot of times what we mean by unity is you agree with me. Then we're unified. I don't think that's what God, what God means. I heard a great definition of unity the other day. It's not when you agree with me or I agree with you. It's when both of us agree with the Lord. Jesus and your wife. Let's just show this for a corny example. Jesus did not have a wife, no matter what the Da Vinci Code said. So let's say she's over here. This is Ruth Allen and this is Bo. Bo has this call in his life and he said the other night it was to lead people into the presence of God. Now let's say Ruth Allen has some, what do you, whatever. Let's say, Ruth, do you know what yours is? You didn't share on Tuesday night, so I didn't want to put you on the spot. I don't, I'm, something with children. Something with children. So, there we go. So they've got these two callings. And this is what happens typically in a marriage. I'm not putting this on you. Typically in a marriage, what you get is, okay, well, I want to lead worship. I want to work with kids or be a mom or work at defects or whatever. And so what you're trying to do is put these two things together with your careers, with your jobs. How can we make this work? Well, I've got to stay at home because we have a baby now and one on the way. And, well, I have another job. And so how am I supposed to get at these things? And there's this tension between them two. And one of them caves in at some point and says, okay, I'm going to do what you want to do. I'm not saying anyone's a bully, but somebody caves in. Either you cave in or you cave in for whatever reason. That's how things typically work, I think. You can disagree with me. But in this new understanding of unity that I had the other day that somebody told me, what you picture is, here's James. You get to be God. You got demoted. So (laughs) James is God. I'm not sure if God has one of those, but maybe he does. So... And God has, well, so James is God and he has something for them together. When you get married, you become one flesh. And that's not just a physical thing. One flesh implies one calling, not two. There might be different roles, but there's only one calling. Ephesians 5 has all this talk about husbands and wives and how we relate to each other. It says the husband is the head and the wife is the body. A body without a head is Dead, and a head without a body is dead too. You you need both. So there's not two different callings here. There's one, and what you want is both of them lined up underneath what God has for them. 
And she's not necessarily behind him and he's not behind her and he's not the winner and she's not the loser and she's not... It's none of that. God has one thing for them. There's one call on the Bryants. There's not a call for Bo and a call for Ruth Allen. There's a call for the Bryants. And what they need to do is they both need to be willing to let go of whatever their own agendas are and come together under what God has called them to. Y'all can all sit down. So, you get that. Y'all, and you get clapped. I never get clapped for. So, that's... Not that I need that. So that's... We, you need that. If you're single, here's the caveat. Don't... You need to be very, 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 very careful about giving up your calling for a relationship. If you're single. If you're married, it's a different story. If you're single, you need to be super, 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 super cautious about giving up your calling for a relationship. It could very well be that that calling, that's a determining factor in whether this person is going to be your spouse or not. If you're headed this way and they're headed this way, that's going to be tough. And if you know that going in, as much as you love them, that's going to be really hard if y'all are heading in two different directions. If you want to be a missionary to China and they want to be, they want to stay in Marietta and, you know, be a teacher in Marietta, that's, that's hard. Someone's going to have to give. And if you know that going in as a single person, that needs to cause you to say, whoa, this might not be what God has for me. So I would just, as a kind of a disclaimer, if you're single, I would be very, very hesitant to give up your calling if you know what it is for the sake of a relationship. My opinion would be God has somebody for you that's walking in the same direction that you are, and you need to hold out for that. That's a blanket statement, but that would be my blanket statement. Now, once you're married, it's different. You can't kick somebody to the curb just because at some point y'all disagree. You're going to disagree about some life issue at some point. That's how it is. You're going to disagree about when you should have kids or how many kids you should have. You're going to disagree about a job or a career or where you should live. You're going to disagree about something. And when you disagree, you either get the two people over here and one of you is going to be a bully and one of you is going to cave in or you both say, you know what, there's one thing that God has for us because we're one here. This isn't, we're one. And we need to line up under what God says. And before you give me, wives, submit to your husbands, let me just say this. I'm all, okay, I got that. That's in the Bible. Wives, you've got to submit to your husbands. Husbands, you shouldn't ask your wife to submit to you until you've sacrificed for her. That's the rest of that verse. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for her. So once you're doing that, then you can ask for submission. If you want to lead, then lead the way the Bible says lead, in the first or last, in the greatest or the least, and you lead by serving. So, that's that little deal. Yeah, your wife should submit to you. And yeah, you should be serving her and loving her sacrificially. So, once you're doing that, then you can expect submission back, whatever. That's kind of a tangent also. What I want us to hear, as we're trying to figure out what are these good works that God wants us to walk in is I'm asking, are you lined up? Particularly those of you who are married, are you lined up? Are both of you standing next to each other behind what the Lord has for you? Or are y'all apart trying to convince somebody to get on your side? God's with me, you come over here. No, God's with me, you come over here. Kind of what I found, this is not 
this isn't in here. This is just kind of my experience. A lot of times, God gives the plan in pieces, and he gives one piece to one person and one piece to the, ne- to the next. That's the reason we're one flesh, because we need each other. And so a lot of times, one of you might get the what, and somebody else is going to get the when, or somebody gets the when, and someone else gets the how. It's both a lot of times. It's not God downloads all this into the one person and the other guy's out in the woods and is lost and confused and just needs to get with the program. It's usually not how things work. Usually the way the Lord works is he says, I've made you guys one, and so I'm going to speak to you as one. And then you line up under what he said. Guys, for us, a lot of times that means being willing to let go of some things. Women, stereotypically, sometimes it means being willing to hold on to some things and grab on to some things and not just saying, well, I'm going to be the good little wife and go wherever he says. Maybe. Maybe. But it could be that the Lord has put things in your heart for y'all as well. And both of you need to be willing to come together under what God is saying. There's only one plan for the Eldridges. There's not two. There's one. And it's not mine. It's his. And i got to get in line behind it just as much as Misty has to get in line behind it. You got that. So this is what I want us to do. You guys can come back up to lead worship, not for another stupid (laughs) visual. This is, I said all that was just, this is just basically, that was a really long invitation to say this. I would like to take some time to pray for folks who are saying, I'm not sure we're lined up. Now, if you want prayer, it doesn't mean your marriage is falling apart. Nobody's going to say, ooh, it's not about that. It could be that you've got a, you're at a decision point and you just want to say, I want to make sure that we're both lining up under what God has for us. It could be something with your family in terms of children. It could be something about where you live. It could be a career change. I don't know. But what I want us to do is just take some time to pray for anyone. And again, if, if you're single, I don't want you to feel left out. Of course, we want to pray for you as well. The alignment issue is just a little easier when it's just you because you don't have somebody else that you're trying to work with. But anyone who would say, you know what, I'm not sure I'm lined up. It could be that I'm just walking parallel with Jesus, but I'm not sure I'm actually following him. Or it could be that you say, you know what, I'm, we're going in all kinds of different directions. I just want to take some time and I want us to pray for anyone who would say, yeah, that's me. And again, if you're a couple, I'd like to pray for both of y'all together. And no one's going to think that you're headed to the courthouse if you come up and ask for prayer. We've all, we know how that works. So we're good? Everybody good? Y'all can stand. Is Kim in here? Kim, do you have some people who can? We'll have, um, we'll have a team that can pray over here and another team over here, and I'll be over here as well if anybody wants uh, me to pray with them. So I'm going to um, just ask the Lord to come and minister to us, and then we'll worship. We, a little different from what we normally do. We have kind of a, a longer worship set, so don't feel rushed. And I'll come back up and close this if, if you're wondering when you can leave. I'll tell you. So. God, I do thank you again that you have created a way of life for us to walk in. And God, we want to line up with you behind that. God, we want to be centered behind you. So for any of us who are off center, either out of disobedience or just confusion or whatever, God, I pray that you would come now and you would kind of true us up to what uh, your call on our life is. And I want to pray particularly for those couples who are maybe at a decision point in their life. I pray that this will be a time of 
coming together in alignment behind you and that we would all be we would understand what it means to be one flesh with one calling to be a head and a body to walk behind what you have for us so come now i pray holy spirit minister into our hearts i pray as we worship uh, that you would be pleased and honored and that you would do the work that you desire to do in the hearts of all those who are here in jesus name